Morning everybody, uh, my name's Ian Smith, Senior Minister here at Billericay Baptist Church and I welcome you this morning uh, to this service, this uh, Sunday in Advent, the third Sunday in Advent and you can see the Advent ring behind me. We should say thanks to Shirley Locke for putting all that uh, together, it looks amazing. She also uh, organised a nativity scene in the church window, so thank you Shirley. Uh, but it's a good reminder, a visual reminder of this season of Advent, the season of anticipation, looking forward to the birth of Jesus, but also when he's going to come again. So the first candle we lit was uh, hope, the second Gary lit last week, which was love. I'm going to light the third candle, which is for joy. Next week will be peace. Great, so we have our three candles and we look forward to lighting the fourth and then finally the Christ candle on Christmas morning. But I want to talk uh, today as we, we're in this season of Advent about Christians, uh, followers of Jesus, being people of joy. Now you might think when you leave church sometimes not everyone looks particularly happy or joyful. I remember um, when I was looking at the Christian faith and I was looking at all this good news and all the wonderful things that were available, uh, mainly Jesus himself that would, by spirit, live uh, within me. But I remember looking at people coming out of churches and thought they don't look always that happy. But is joy happiness? Not necessarily. Happiness can come and go, as does sadness. But joy, if we're a Christian, we want to be a bit more, uh, have an equilibrium in the, in the character of joy. Uh, It's one of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. So it goes on, we're people of joy. So I'm going to read, uh, as we talk about this coming into the Christmas uh, period, uh, from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. Before I do that, what we've had uh, leading up to this point is the birth of Jesus is foretold in a miraculous way. Uh, Mary's aware what's going to happen. Uh, She goes off while she's pregnant, she visits Elizabeth, Um, And then she has this uh, fantastic song of praise in Luke chapter 1, Mary's song, and she praises God. She she is one who is highly favoured. And we get to this point now in chapter 2, where uh, it's it's becoming more and more apparent that something massive is happening, something life-changing, someone life-changing. So let me read to you from Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 14. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. Can you imagine? That happening, you're in the field, an angel of the Lord appears, the glory of the Lord shines all around them. And they were terrified, I don't blame them. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, 
I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. And you may remember uh, a few weeks back when I spoke about the I am sayings. I wonder if you remember uh, the one that I said Jesus gives us the identification as well, which is light of the world. He says, you are the light of the world. And as Christians, we want to let that light shine. Um, So we've had hope, we've had love. This morning we're looking at joy. And I don't know about you, but in this time of preparation, which is what we're doing, we're preparing for Christmas Day, this day that's set aside to, to remember the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the Saviour of the world. But in that time of preparation, do you find that your mind wanders a lot to other things? You get caught up in the periphery. Uh, Certainly when I was younger, and even, I have to say now, in the presence, uh, the food. Uh, The visits, not so much this year, but normally uh, lots of visits. Bit of angst, bit of stress. It might be that when you look at all that, joy would be the last thing you associate with Christmas. But if you get back to the true message of Christmas, then it is one of joy. Knowing the truth of Jesus, every Christian can have that inner joy that doesn't depend on external things because you can't always control the external things. Um, God doesn't say that all the other things will be fine and dandy for the rest of your life. But he does say he'll be with you in all of it. The true message of Christmas is joy and the Christian can know that inner joy that won't depend on the external things. Don't confuse it with happiness, uh, but happiness can be fleeting and can go. But the inner joy that can only come from knowing Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. Paul the Apostle who wrote much of the New Testament, he had had everything. He'd had great privilege in life, great education, a good scholar, really, really well taught in Jewish faith. In fact, he was a persecutor of Christians. But once he realised the truth about Christ, once he had an encounter with Christ, he he, he grasped that nothing was as important. All that stuff that had gone on before Nothing was as important without Jesus in his life. He said this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. He said, What is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. That word surpassing, it means more than. You know, it becomes first. It's, it's more important than all the other stuff, all the education, all the wealth, all the scholarship. Fine, important. But nothing came close to him. Once he'd had his encounter with Christ, then the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And you know, you might know this already, you might have experienced this already, but when everything is stripped away, which it can be in life, when you put things in the periphery where they should be, which is in the periphery, not at the middle, then what's left is at the centre, which is Jesus Christ. And if you have Jesus Christ at the centre in your life, you really have everything you need or someone you need. And then you can have that joy, that inner peace, even when things 
aren't going so well. Even when things aren't going so well. That's it's not a message we hear. The world says, oh, you, you're gonna, you could be happy, you can be wealthy, you can be healthy, but all these things can be fleeting. But you can have that joy, that inner peace, even in sadness, only with Christ at the centre of your life. Let's get back to the heart of Christmas. In Luke chapter 1, Mary is told that she's highly favoured and that the Lord is with you. So she was told that. She had that confidence very, very early on. Highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Great. She'll give birth to a son and she's to call him Jesus. Jesus means the Lord saves. We heard uh, already this morning, to us a saviour is born. To us, to me, to you. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him his throne. He will reign and his kingdom shall never end. And then Mary, along with Joseph, travels to Bethlehem because there was a census and they they had to go. And of course we know uh, eventually Mary gives birth. And then in Luke 2, the passage that we read, verses 10 and 11, Luke describes an angel telling the shepherds and also us this morning what Christmas should be like what Christmas should be all about. And Luke uh, recorded it as this. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This was a monumental event. And as you live your life, as I live mine, You know there's going to be ups and downs, health and sickness, birth and death, happy and sad times. But whatever the circumstances, the promise of God is whatever's happening, we can have that inner joy, that inner peace. If you listen to the interview that Keith and Debbie Davidson gave uh, before this, uh, which was very moving, one of the things Keith said was he never gave up. He had that song that God will make a way. And it's having that peace that he said he never felt sorry for himself. He, he trusted God. And, and do you know, there was, I guess there was no guarantees. That, that, that peace can only come from God because it makes no sense otherwise. It's born out of knowing God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And then Debbie went on to say, didn't she? Don't give up. Be in prayer. Get into God's work. Keep the faith. Stay strong. How do you do that when the odds seem so against you? Because God is with us. And that's the promise of Christmas, isn't it? Emmanuel, God with us. Paul talks about this closeness, about bringing everything that we, all our concerns, all our hopes, all our dreams, everything to God in prayer, petition and thanksgiving. Philippians 4, verse 7, the result will be, as we do that, as we bring all these things to God, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it is above anything you can understand. It's above anything the world can understand. It transcends all understanding. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. All of us had to learn this. I've had to learn this. God can strip out all the pride, all the drivenness, all the self-sufficiency, all the wanting to control, think we're in charge of our own lives, that somehow our lives belong to us and we we have a right to do whatever we want. He has to change that to make me a person who is willing to be led. 
Jackie Pullinger, I was reading an interview just this past week, I think it's going to be in the next Christianity magazine. Uh, if you don't know Jackie Pullinger, she was a famous uh, missionary, if we want to call her that, who um, went to a walled city uh, in the Far East, and she basically got on a ship in the UK, no idea where she was going. She had £10 in her pocket and the clothes that she was wearing. And it wasn't until she reached the de- destination, this walled city, that was really, um, it was desperate, really, uh, prostitutes, uh, massive drug addiction, pornographic films being made. Um, and that's where she felt God's sake get off the boat. And she stayed there for, for decades. And she wrote a book called Chasing the Dragon. I'd recommend you, you read it. But in this interview, she was asked, or the, the, the interviewer said, well, clearly, you're a driven person. And, you know, her answer, which has really had me thinking, she said, Satan drives, but I'm a led person. I'm not driven, I'm led. And I'm still working that out. She's led by the Spirit of God. I'm kind of thinking you could be led by the Spirit of God, which will give you your drive. But I think I know what she means. We can try and do things in our own strength, in our own power. Actually, Satan must love that. But actually, we're people that should be led by the Spirit of God. And I can relate to that. I've been a driven person. I think I still am. But my whole context has had to change. And God has taught me so much. And what he's taught me is that I must be first led. And if that drives me, then that's fine. But I must be led by God the Holy Spirit. I can't control it all. I don't have all the answers. And there are things going on in our lives and my life that exasperate me. They confuse me. But God has shown that when I come to him, I can bear it. I can have that inner peace, that joy, even in the depths of darkness and pain. And this is really important. You've got to listen to this next bit. This flies in the face of lies that I think we're told from childhood. I I, I think we get this expectation from magazines, newspapers, possibly parents or school, whatever it is, that everything's always going to be okay, that you can be protected from everything. This year has told us we can't be protected from everything. That you'll always be guaranteed happiness. Well, no, you're not. You're always guaranteed good health. No, you're not. You're guaranteed good relationships. No, you're not. They're lies. It's not saying those things won't come, but they're not guaranteed. And if you believe them and they fail, then you're going to live a life of disappointment. And, and, you know, people get really low and and down about that. And we can see that in our youngsters. Don't believe it. You will have struggles. You'll face struggles. But even in those struggles, you can have joy, that inner peace. You can come with a smile on your face because whatever happens, God is with you. Remember that. Emmanuel, God with us. It was another name for the Christos, the Messiah, for Jesus, the one who saves. Emmanuel, this is God with us, and now God in us by his Spirit. And I have to say in my experience, I feel that more so in the middle of the storms. I feel it more so that I I can still worship even when things aren't so great, and that God meets with me in those desperate times. Some 2,000 years ago, Jesus comes to earth, and brings with him a wonderful change to our lives and the world. He's still changing lives in the world today. He brought hope to a lost and hopeless world, and he brought peace, a peace which goes deeper than whatever the world could give. That's why it surpasses understanding. And he brought joy. He brought joy. Now, interestingly, I think I'm right in this, and I'm sure I'll get some emails if I'm not, You won't find one scripture verse in the Bible that says Jesus laughed. 
If you read any of the emotions expressed by Jesus, start thinking about them now while I'm speaking. See what comes to mind. When I was looking at the ones that immediately came to mind for me, I know he got angry, I know he was sorrowful, um, I know he uh, had great sacrifice and then the ultimate sacrifice. He had great teaching, he had good wisdom, he healed, all these things. But for so many people, at so many times, when I look at the result of them encountering Jesus, there was joy, either said or implied. Joy was there when the leper returns to thank Jesus. Joy is there when a woman caught in the act of adultery was forgiven and released from her sin. Jesus came for sinners, for people who did wrong. That's all of us. He came for us. He came to pay for us. There was joy when the deaf heard, the blind saw, and the lame walked. Love to see more miracles, but we do see them. You've heard of one already this morning. Joy was there when the little children flocked to Jesus. Joy was there when the boy gave Jesus his lunch so that he could work a miracle and feed the thousands. Joy was there when dawn broke and the women knew that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Everywhere Jesus went, there seemed to be joy. And we can express the joy of Jesus in smiles and laughter. Of course we can. But also an inner joy in the trials and tribulations. We can experience his joy through worship, praise, prayer, song, in witnessing, in helping others, in fellowship, in discipleship, learning about him, being with other people, looking for the lost, looking for the hungry, looking for the people with no clothes, and helping. Remember he said when we do that, it's it's as if we do it for him. And that makes it a much bigger decision when I pass the homeless man or the person who may not have food. Or someone I know that's in need and do I, do I give or not? What if I say, well, that's actually Jesus? Incredible, because that's what he says he is. And we have this great, wonderful chance to show joy and inner peace and inner assurance, even in these difficult times. Even in these difficult times. We, uh, I think you've sung the hymn already. Um, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Yeah, and he's going to come again. And God has created a wonderful world for us. and He'd want us to experience this joy. You know, the song doesn't go stress to the world, the Lord has come. It's not like the archangel bursts upon the shepherds and says, Fear not, for today I bring you good news of great stress, which shall be to all people. Although when I look around, that maybe was the, would be more of a truer message. Because that's usually the way it works. And when we're stressed... We bring our stress to other people, our work colleagues, husband, wife, children, family, pet maybe, uh, even friends. But instead, the good news is, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. So we get stressed and, and none of this is wrong in its own self. But this is my striving, this is my control rather than being led. But we get stressed on the periphery stuff. I want to live right, I want to eat right, I want to think right, I want to act right, I want to speak right, I want to be the best parent, I want to exercise right, I want to look right. And we can get so wrapped up in those holiday things that we've forgotten the joy that comes from knowing Christ. Jesus came to this world as a baby in a manger and he brought hope to the hopeless. The Prince of Peace brought peace to our hearts. When I look at the turmoil of the world, we need that more than ever. And because we have this hope, Because we have this love, because we have this peace, we can have great joy. We can have joy because God's Son has come. And as we once again 
are in this time of Advent and looking forward to Christmas Day. Let's make this season a time of joy where you cultivate that inner peace. I'm not saying you've got to be dancing on the rooftops or, or even happy because sometimes we're sad. But in that sadness, there's that inner peace. No matter how broke you are or how busy you are, don't let the secular rob you of the sacred. It is a sacred time. And joy, as one of the fruit of the Spirit, is like love. We want to grow it. And one ask the Holy Spirit to grow. It's not merely an emotion, but a decision. I will choose to look for the blessing. I will choose to look for the positive. I will choose to think the best. I will choose to make a difference. I refuse negativity. I refuse hopelessness. I refuse the enemy and I refuse his lies. I choose Jesus Christ who brings joy to the world. I'll live for him and he promises to live in me. He understands that joy can be found even in what seems like dark times. Hebrews 12, verse 2 to 3 says this, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. That doesn't sound a joyful act to me, but it was the joy of what was coming. He could put up with the pain, he knew what was coming. So he scorned its shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I'm highlighting three things now as we come in to finish, just to encourage you to be people of joy. Remember that, you are the light of the world. You can shine in this way, in a world that's lost its way. Firstly, focus on Jesus. That's an easy one. Um, Probably would have got that in the pub quiz. Focus on Jesus, what we've just read. Fix your eyes on Jesus, not on the periphery. I've got an eye on the turkey. I've got an eye on the presence. I've dropped hints about what I'd like. I've got an eye on all the things we're going to do and the things we can't do. But they are on the periphery. Jesus has to be at the centre. And focusing on him means that we don't only remember the saviour in the manger, but we remember the saviour that's in your heart. That's the heart of it, isn't it? He is in you. Remember that this baby that we're going to read a lot about this Christmas time grew up, went to the cross to pay for your wrongdoing. And also that he rose again to give you a new life and to show that death is not the end for the Christian. And, he, and that he lives in your heart today so that you can have joy, inner peace. Galatians 2.20, Paul writes, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Not only was Jesus born in Bethlehem, but by faith and by his spirit, he's been born again in you. You're born again because he lives in you. That's a good reason to be filled with joy, with inner peace. The second thing, so focus on Jesus. The second thing, focus on others. We're encouraged to do that this Christmas time, aren't we? We see the ads on TV and we see uh, the great need around us and somehow our hearts are stirred more at Christmas, it seems, in the rest of the year. But Acts 20 verse 35 says, In everything I did, 
I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Said a while ago, I used to be one of these people who wear the bracelet, what would Jesus do? WWJD, and, and I recently read a book, and, I, and, I, and that still stands true. What would he do in this situation? But I recently read a book where he's, I found it more challenging. He said, if Jesus were you right now, if he was you right now, uh, who would he be? So if I'm walking down the high street, or I'm in church, or I'm driving my car, who would Jesus be in me at that moment? Again, it makes it more difficult to pass the person on the street. There is joy found in generosity, and Christmas is a reminder to us that God is generous to us. He's given us so much, primarily Jesus, which was born out of his love, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. His focus in giving Christ to the world was his love for others. And he gave us an example of that, in which case we need to follow it. Joy shouldn't be, or shouldn't come, from getting all we can get from others, but rather the reverse, in giving all we can to others. There is a joy in giving. So discover that afresh this Christmas. Jesus said, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for him. There's always someone in need. You're not, you can't solve all the problems, but the Holy Spirit will prompt you. And in the name of Christ, you can be giving, whether it's time or money or prayer, whatever it is. But focus on others, looking for the need. Who would Jesus be if he were me right now? And it's brilliant, isn't it, that as we give, uh, and we see that uh, very generous here as well, we give to the mission of God, the family of God here, big part of our ministry is giving. It goes to mission partners, goes to ministry, goes to local ministry. All of it is to share Christ and be the good news. It's a gift of generosity that can underpin mission and ministry. And then a final thing, a bit of a strange one, focus on yourself. Don't often hear that too much, but the Bible's pretty clear about love your neighbour as yourself. Um, If you neglect yourself, you're going to find it harder uh, to love your neighbour. Be kind to others, of course. But I'd want to say at this time as well, and when I was preparing, this kind of dropped into my head. I felt like God was saying, be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. This has been a really strange year. And we're moving into a new year. Not all the questions are answered. There's the vaccine, which is brilliant. But as I'm speaking, we're not sure if we're going to see a three lockdown. It has a big impact on a lot of people. So be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. People are struggling. People are doing things they wouldn't normally do. Some people are more angry than they normally would be. I don't believe that you're called to be burnt out, rushing around, trying to make everything perfect. What you're called to do is focus on Christ. I don't think believe we're called to burn out. I don't believe you're called to be driven by the enemy into submission. Rather, you should be led by the Spirit in mission and ministry, love, joy and hope. You don't often hear focus on yourself, but we do need to guard our hearts. Guard your attitude. Determine whether or not you're going to experience joy this year. You can let worry, stress or discouragement rob you of the joy of Jesus. And we know where that comes from. Everyone struggles sometimes. I mean, my goodness, I know that. But please understand, sometimes we have to remember the inner joy that comes even in the pain. The attitude is not necessarily automatic. I don't want those attitudes to rule me, that rob me of the joy. Philippians 4, verse 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The fact is, you can be full of faith or full of doubt, full of the Spirit's joy or full of the world's woes. So consider your thoughts, listen to your words, watch your actions and ask yourself, do I have the joy of the Lord or am I letting myself get dragged into the world's message that joy is dependent on happiness or circumstances? The fact is, as those shepherds probably comprehended when they saw the angel and the glory of the Lord, Christmas is based on an exchange of gifts. The gift of God to man, the unspeakable gift of his son, and the gift of man to God when you present your life back to him as a living sacrifice, Jesus at the centre. You're the only person who can decide to be joyful this year. Ask the Holy Spirit to work on that part uh, of your character, that part of the fruit of the Spirit. Sometimes in the past I've been accused of being too bullish, too upbeat, and sometimes I try to do that in my own strength. I try and seek the good, the what can be done, the positive, and I don't always do that, and I have to repent and and ask God to help me for more of his spirit. But I've got to move away from the driven by desire or whatever it comes from to the called, to to the guided, to the one who is led by the spirit. I may be driven because of that, but that is, is, is the most important thing, to be led by the spirit of God. Let the drivenness come out of that. And it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not actually of you. It's the fruit of the Spirit which you want to cultivate. So be people that are led. And it's this time, I was reflecting a few weeks back, I'm finding people are now saying less of what they want as it comes to Christmas and more grateful for what we have. Because this year has been a reality check. Because certain things have been taken away from us. So it makes us more grateful for them. But this Christmas, God's gift for you is the joy that you unwrap by focusing on Jesus, others and yourself. Don't wait until December 25th to unwrap that gift. It'll be the only one I'm going to give you permission to unwrap before. Open it now and enjoy God because he brought joy to the world. He is the Prince of Peace. And if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, he does live in you. Cultivate the relationship. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can become one. Ask him to come into your life and begin to change. Ask him to change you, to become more like him. Christmas is a great time to do that. And we'd love to help you in that. So if you've got any questions, get in contact with us and that would be great. I'm going to pray for us and uh, then hand back. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, uh, we look at this Uh, subject of joy and we can sometimes confuse it with happiness or sadness but Lord help us to have that fruit of the spirit where we become more like you where there's an inner peace an inner joy not reliant on circumstances sometimes Lord you allow us to be broken to really realize that and forgive us for when we've strived and struggled to do things in our own strength without our reliance on you we can achieve some some measure of things in that, but it's not from you. Rather than be driven by someone else, we want to be led by you. If there is a drive in us, it's because it came from you.
So we surrender again this morning our lives to you. We pray for an infilling of your spirit as we go out into the world, putting you at the centre, putting others' needs first and also looking after ourselves. Help us to be kind to each other and ourselves in Jesus' name. Amen.